0: Okay, everybody. Good to see you. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, my name is Greg. If you don't know me, I'm one of the elders here. I'm not normally I'm on preaching duty, but um, I'm happy to be with you this morning. So, we're going to look at Second Thessalonians chapter three, verses one through six this morning. Um, we are going right through the book of Second Corinthians. Normally, but we're taking a little bit of a departure this week, being spring break, UJ spring break. Um, and I was thinking about this verse in 2 Thessalonians, particularly verse 5, and I just I wanted to preach on it. So we're going to look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 in 2 Thessalonians. Um, let me go ahead and read from it, and we'll pray. Um, it says, Finally, brothers, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning that we're gathered here together um, uh, as free people, God, who are able to assemble together and uh, without persecution and um god thank you for your word that you've given us and it shows us god that you love us and that you care for us um i pray god that that you would work uh, through it and just in ways that I, I i could not imagine god that there are people here who who need to hear what you have to say god in your timing um you brought us here together god so put you comfort those among us who need it and who need those who need encouragement or even discipline or um um, thank you for the children upstairs, God. I just pray that you bless them and those watching over. I just, have, just help them to have a good time together in your name. Amen. Okay, so, you know, when, when you're reading through the New Testament and you're reading Paul in particular, there's lots of times when he just, he, he, he kind of stops his flow of thought and he just gives a, a blessing or he just exults in happiness, basically, for, the, um, for, for, for what the Spirit is laying on his heart and to, to say the, to the people um, and, he, and he might even break breaks from the uh, kind of formal teaching section of his letter, and then he says, "Finally," like he does at the end of uh, Philippians in chapter three, and then he goes on for another chapter. Um, this is one of those places where he says, you know, just like many other preachers, he says, in, in conclusion," and he goes on for a little bit further. So, so, but that's that's that just shows that Paul is just like any other um, preacher. But these some of these blessings or uh, or benedictions that Paul says, uh, they're just great things to pray for, folks. Just for for anybody. And, and another one I really like, if you want to go there later on, is in Colossians one verses nine through fourteen. Just great words of scripture that you can use to kind of model your prayers for any anyone. Um, just shows what a model of Christian maturity that Paul is. And. um So in Thessalonians, Paul's writing from Corinth. He's writing to a Christian church in Thessalonica. Um, He has already, just to tell you uh, in the book, he's already explained um, to the Thessalonians about the return of Christ. There was confusion about whether Christ had already come. Um, And Paul makes it clear to them in 2 Thessalonians 2. he, He tells them not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come, let no one deceive you. Um, he says, verse three, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Basically, he's giving them um, clarification about when the day of the Lord will come. He's, and he's saying, yes, Jesus will come. He hasn't come yet, but he will come. And there is a day when God's patience is over. And people that have not obeyed the gospel, people that are persecuting the Christians, God says, I've been patient long enough. And now you're going to have your way and you either if you've obeyed me you will go to heaven you'll be with me or if you've not obeyed me then you'll be apart from me in destruction um and so Paul gives that clarification he assures them that Jesus will, will come back um and that those people who have been persecuting the church will be uh, uh will, will be punished in God's in God's way um but uh so he he's laid that out there, and then he realized he still has some more things to say to the Thessalonians to comfort them and to guide them. And um, let's see here, we're gonna go um, just a, just a couple more words by, by introduction. Paul Paul says um, Paul asked for prayer for the from the Th- the Thessalonians. It's hard to say. Um, Paul asked for prayer because he knows that. The ministry of the gospel is God's work. Um, and it doesn't matter how gifted Paul is. You know, Paul was like a missionary to the, to, to the Thessalonians. It doesn't matter how gifted Paul was, Paul was or how faithful he is. You know, God's work is God's work, and it requires him to prosper it. So that's what we pray. Um, prayer is something that God will listen to. Um, so, so Paul asked for them to pray for him. Um, and we'll see just a couple things I want you to be looking out for. There's, there's three kind of twin truths Okay, watch out for three twin truths or double double truths. Um, a double prayer request, a double confidence that Paul has, and a double blessing. So we'll just watch out for that. I'll explain those. So let's begin in verses one and two. Um, Paul has a double prayer request. He says, Finally, brothers, pray for us. And the language that he uses is funny. It's um or interesting. It says that he he asked the Thessalonians to keep on praying. It's not like it's a helicopter, isn't it? okay. Um Paul's basically saying, like, I know you've been praying for us, but I'd like for you to continue to pray specifically for for two things. The first thing you'll see in verse 1, he prays that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. That's that's an interesting phrase, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Um, And, uh, again, just a great thing for anybody who's working specifically in in ministry uh, or as an evangelist. That's a good prayer to pray for any any of those folks, but uh, for all of us specifically, though. As we have gospel opportunities, Um, Paul's language here comes right from the Psalms, where where it says the word of the Lord may speed ahead. If you go to Psalm 147, verse 15, um, Psalm 147 verse 15 says, "I'm going to turn my." I think I think that this is where Paul is getting this idea. Um, His word runs swiftly. That's that's in the context of how God's command is obeyed even in nature. But he, it says he sends out his command to the earth, his word runs swiftly. Do you see that? It's kind of like Paul says here, the word of the Lord may speed ahead. He wants God's word to go through all the world just in, in obeying God's command. And um, there's another place in the Psalms where I think this uh, thought comes from too. In Psalm 19, I think Paul was very familiar with the Psalms. Psalm 19 is the psalm where we're told that the heavens declare the glory of God. The sun, the moon, the stars, they declare God's glory. And in Psalm 19, verse 3, it says, There's no speech nor their words, whose voice is not heard. Their line goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Basically, even though we can't hear the the moon and the stars and the sun proclaiming God's glory, um, their word does go out, in a sense, and it reaches all to the end of the world. That God's word is glorious. And God, God's, Paul just says he, he's praying that God's word would go forth. And that's, that's how we can pray for the, the gospel. The gospel is God's word, God's command. It's good news. And Paul wants, Paul wants it to go to all the ends of the world and that it would speed ahead. Um, so it's a good prayer. It's a good prayer for the spread of the gospel and the success of the gospel. That, that everyone would get an opportunity to hear it. And that as many people would believe it as possible. So this is a great way to pray, pray for anybody to that they would have a gospel opportunity an opportunity to share the gospel and again it 's not paul 's faithfulness paul 's faithfulness that will bring this about um, but god 's blessing that 's why we need to pray we need to pray for god 's blessing on the gospel um, and, and and this is what happened in the Thessalonians as well Paul was a missionary to them, and he says just as it happened to you like um, that, that you believed it and we want just as it spread among you, we want it to spread to others as well. So so he covets their prayers. Um, and actually back in First Thessalonians, one other verse here I want to go back we're in a previous letter in chapter two, verse thirteen. Just probably two or three pages over in your Bible. First Thessalonians two, thirteen says, We also thank God continually for this that when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is—the word of God, which is at work in your believers. So it's the word of God. Not—it's not men do have to actually say it. Men and women do pronounce the gospel, but it's—it's it's God's word. It's God's work, and we don't—we don't accept it as a word of men, but it's from God. So it requires prayer. Um. And that's just one of the ways that you know that God's changed you, that the gospel has taken hold in your heart, is that you care about others, and that they would hear it too. You know, how, how can you, who have been changed by God, and have um, given God thanks for the work that Christ has done on the cross, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to share that with someone else? Um, and so, so Paul's asking that of the Thessalonians as well. Just pray for me. Pray for those with me who are working with me to share the gospel. The Thessalonians get to take part in Paul's work as well. I think that should be very helpful for anyone's prayer life. Just just think about how, um, how to pray for those who would share the gospel. Um, so that's not all he says. Okay, let's go on to verse 2. He says that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. From wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. And that's not theoretical for Paul. Paul, Paul isn't thinking about just abstract enemies of the gospel. He's... There's there's real people that dogged Paul's steps all throughout his missionary journeys. Different kinds of folks. Many of them were Judaizers. They were trying to. Um, many many Jews had been converted to Christianity, and the Judaizers wanted to bring them back to the old way of doing things. Um, there were other folks as well, but uh, they were trying to contradict the gospel or hinder the work of the gospel, keep the missionaries from going on their travels. there's a million ways you could do that. Steal their money back. I don't know. Spread a false rumor about them so that people don't believe their reputation. Uh, They're real people. And Paul says, pray for us. Pray that we would be delivered from evil and wicked wicked men. And I bet the wicked and evil men in their own minds would think they're doing a good work. I imagine they're doing a good thing and trying to hinder the gospel, right? Um, Normally you don't try to do something that you just think is... Evil and wrong, but um, I don't know. But I, um, they thought they were doing something good, but Paul calls them wicked and evil men. Um, and so this very and that, just as it was then, it's, it's true today. You know, I mean, there's there's people all over the place, maybe with PhDs, I guess, who would try to hinder um, people who are committed to the gospel. Um, so we always want to pray that that. Um, That the church would prosper, that we would have peace, that we wouldn't have persecution. Um, There's many persecution can come in many ways. You know, um, we've inherited this phrase from Tertullian, one of the early teachers in the church, that says, "The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church." Have you heard that before? The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's not scripture. It's it's Tertullian was saying. It seems like as people are martyred for their faith, it encourages other people to take their faith more seriously. Sometimes it's more true than others. Sometimes, um, sometimes you have peace in a land, and, the, and 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 the church is prospering, and you have a lot of hangers-on to the church who are not really committed, really to the, they're not really even believers, perhaps. Uh, but because there's some benefits to being in the church, they're they're there. There's friendships. There's material blessings that come with it. Um, but then when times get hard, when there's some sort of oppression or persecution. Then, then, yeah, it's like the church will kind of dwindle down to kind of more faithful folks, and then, um, so sometimes that can be the case. Sometimes the persecution is so grave or so, just so barbaric um, that the church is almost entirely obliterated in, in a certain area. That happened in Albania recently. The communists came to power in 1945, uh, and by the early 70s, I think 1973, the last sort of, um, uh, in the Orthodox Church, at least the. Uh, the last ordained priest was was killed, and it was basically a religious activity of any kind was outlawed entirely in Albania until until the '90s, and then missionaries began to come in, and um, you know the church never went away, but it, it kind of seemed like that in Albania at least. Um, so so pray for peace, pray for peace in many places in the world where there's persecution. Um, and this morning I fired up my BBC app on my phone. Most mornings I do that, and um, there was a Bomb blasts in two churches in Lahore, Pakistan. Um, uh, a group associated with the Taliban put a little message out and said they're claiming responsibility. But a Roman Catholic church and another church called Christ Church—I think, I think they're Protestant. Um, being the time difference, I, I imagine that these two churches were gathered for worship in the morning, and ten people lost their lives this morning. So, you know, that's just early reporting. So I don't know all the details, but that's that's what happens, That's what's happening in the world today. Um, so Paul says, "The Lord is faithful; He will establish you and guard you against the evil one." Let me back up. I'm sorry. I'm still talking about verse two. It says we may. Be, Paul prays that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. So it's just it's just a real real, real prayer. Um, you know, we we have freedom together this morning without persecution, but not everywhere do we have that. So, um, but here's a, here's the a second thing. Okay, so Paul. Um, after, after asking for these two prayers, he says um, he, he has two confidences of, from the, for the Thessalonians. He's confident um, of what God is doing and, what's, and what God's at work in them. So Paul says, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So he's, he's fully confident that the Lord will strengthen the Thessalonians. Um, He says particularly that he will protect them against the evil one. Okay, and so that phrase there, um, the language is a little ambiguous. You could translate that phrase, he will protect you against evil. It's kind of the same as in the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, The King James, I believe, says, um, deliver us from evil. But it could also be translated, deliver us from the evil one. But here in this passage, I'm, I'm quite confident that Paul is thinking of a the evil one. He's thinking of personal opposition to the Thessalonians. Um, just like evil men were, evil and wicked men were seeking to hinder Paul from the ministry, Paul is thinking of the evil one and how he wants to attack the Thessalonians. Um, and, and I want to be clear about this because I, I, Paul has already mentioned, like I said in chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, about the man of lawlessness. He's the agent of the evil one, of Satan. Um. He's an instrument of sin that uh, an instrument that the evil one uses against God's people. Um, but uh, but there but there is a supernatural personal force in the world that wants to destroy the church and destroy us. Um, so Paul says that he's confident that the Lord will deliver us from the evil one. Um, and do you ever factor that in? Do, do you ever think about that in your lives? How there there is actually an, an evil force in the world that's trying to hinder. Uh, either your marriage or your family or your work relationships um, whatever arena it is in your life but um, it 's true and, and it, it doesn 't minimize our guilt or our responsibility we 're not trying to i 'm not saying that we should shift our blame onto the evil one but um, but but Satan is real and he, and he is active in our world doesn 't excuse our sin doesn 't excuse doesn 't take away our responsibility but 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 it is stressed throughout the New Testament that um that there is an evil one. He's like a roaring lion, you know. Peter says, seeking whom he may devour, or that he's crouching at the door, waiting to pounce on us. Um, this kind of language is used all over the place in the Bible. And, you know, it's not just arson that we have to be on the lookout for. It's it's uh, it's Satan's activity. So we need to pray against that. And um, but know in our prayers that God will protect us. Paul says he's confident in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Um, And um, Oh, that's the first. I'm sorry, I went ahead too far. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Um, So God will establish us, He'll guard us. um, He'll never leave us or forsake us. It's very frequently in the New Testament that that we're told that that God will not leave us or forsake us. He will protect us. I think it's 16 times in the Bible God says, I'm with you. 12 times He says, I will not leave you. And 8 times He says, I will not forsake you. So He's with us. He won't leave us. Um, The Lord will protect you and strengthen you. He'll guard you and establish you. So don't forget that. He is with us all the time. Um, So here's a second confidence that Paul has. Um, First confidence is that God will establish you and guard us. Second confidence is verse 4. We have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Okay. Um, You remember in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus gave um, his last kind of marching orders to the disciples? um, The disciples, they were supposed to teach the other disciples to obey all the things that Jesus had commanded. That's what discipleship is. It's not just to teach the doctrine or the teaching that Jesus taught, but also to ensure obedience—that that you obey the commands, that you actually do what Jesus said to do. We tell a little girl, and we're we're, we're um, trying to work on this thought that you sh- you'll show me that you love me by obeying us, and we still have a lot of work to do. <laughs> so she's not obeying us yet, but she is in some small measures. But that's a. Really helpful thing to know that you you show your love to God by obedience to Him. Um, so, in other words, Paul says, you know, this isn't just my confidence in you; it's my confidence in what the Lord is doing in you. Paul says, I, I, I see this evidence these evidences in your church and your lives that that the Lord is at work in you, and that He'll keep on doing it. Um, so I'm confident not just in you; it's not because your guys are great people, but that God is faithful. Um, so he will strengthen you and establish you. He, God, is at work in you, and this applies to us as well. God is at work in our church to keep us faithful to that will grow in grace and holiness, that will grow in obedience. Um, and do you, ever, do you ever, do you ever think back on your life? Think back at the things that you may have struggled with, like you know, five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. If you're old enough, who knows? Um, uh, you know. There, there are things that we can look back on and and you're you're just you're not struggling with those things anymore that you were struggling in the past. Uh, and, and I know there are things that you can still struggle with for 20, 30, 40 years all your life, but are there aren't there things in your life that, you know, that you thought were just you know just just cosmically important, you know, to you that are just not anymore because you've grown and you've seen how God's God's changed you. Uh, isn't that wonderful? How the gospel's like that. You know, God's grace is active in our lives, and we, you know, Christians by definition we change. We can change. You know, we repent of our sin, and we uh, we learn, and we, we grow, and we change, and we learn new things. And um, you know, and, and as you as you pray with your friends, as you listen to the word, as you read the Bible, as you meet together with others in small groups, like you, you get change, and the word of God changes you. Um. That's God at work in you, and Paul says, I, "You know, I see those things happening in you, and God's going to keep on doing those things in your life. And you may not be able to see them now. You may have something that you're struggling with that's really hard right now, and I don't want to minimize it. Um, but, but Paul's confident that God will keep on working in you, and that you'll eventually you'll, you'll obey the the things that God has commanded. So, again, Christians, we can change. We can. That's what it is to be a Christian. We, we're told to repent." Um, and we don't just repent too. We learn new things, holes in our understanding that get filled. You know, as you read the Bible, you, you learn new things. Things you didn't even know were issues. You're like, oh yeah, wow, that makes sense now. Um, and you keep on growing. So, um, and then finally, this there's, in verse five, there's a double blessing that Paul prays for the Thessalonians. Um, he wants to direct the Thessalonians to two things. And and I just you know just this one little verse in the Bible, just one one little verse. But I, I I think this is wonderful. It says Paul says, "May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ, the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ." And, and you know, just the thing as as you're reading your Bible, it's helpful sometimes to like kind of chart out. This may sound like diagramming in English grammar or something, but like just look where the ideas go. Paul says, "May the Lord direct your hearts to to what to two things: love of God and the steadfastness of Christ." Okay, direct your hearts. Okay, and then um, let's look at each of these things. When it says the Lord directs hearts to the love of God, you know, when, when I first like when I first looked at that, I thought, "What is that? What, whose love are we talking about? Is that is that our love to God? Like God's the object, and we're like, do we, do we, does Paul want to pray for us to love God more or something? Um, but I think this is actually God's love for us—the love of God. God has love, and we are. We are the recipients of that love. It says, Just direct your hearts to look at and contemplate the love of God. To understand it. To actually experience it and feel the love of God that He has for you. Um, that, you, know, you, you may believe in Christ. You might believe the Bible and um, believe every word of the Bible but struggle for <clears throat> whatever reason with just experientially knowing that God loves you. Um, and And if you struggle with that. Um, you're, just, you're kind of half beaten, I guess, if you go out to battle, if you go out in your day and you're kind of just struggling, does God really love me? Like, um, Yeah, but Paul says God does love you. And he, he wants, he says, may the Lord direct your hearts, probably because some people need to hear that. Um, um, so he just he just prays that Jesus himself would guide you into just a personal knowledge of him and how he loves him. So, it's absolutely important. And then the second part of this, very interesting, it says, may the Lord direct you to the steadfastness of Christ or the endurance of Christ. Steadfastness or endurance of Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, just think about it. Just take a moment and just think about how steadfast Christ was, how much endurance he had uh, in his life, he, and he did it for you. He 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 suffered mocking. He was persecuted. He, he, he went hungry. He... he um, he was tormented, uh, he, was, he was tortured, and he even died you know, for us. And he kept on going, and he, and, and he had opportunities, he, he had temptations to, to give up, but, but he, he was steadfast. And so Paul says, think about that. You know, as, as you are enduring the hard things that you're enduring right now, real things, um, God says, you know, I'm not asking you to do something that I am not willing to do myself. So, so Jesus himself was willing to suffer for us just as we are suffering. Um, God says, my son has already endured for you the same things. Look to him. Look to Jesus. When I, when I ask you to endure, look at Jesus and how he endured. Just, just think about that. So, so we might think um, that some experience in our life is just too much. You might know, say, I can't make it, God. It's just too much. I can't get through it. I'm not going to survive. Um, think about Jesus. Again, just think about that, like like things that you've experienced in the past. Like, and if you journal, it's helpful. I, I'm not a very good journal. I'm the kind of person who will journal for like three days and then not do it for another three years or something like that. So, but you can look back on things that you've done and, and experienced, and the crazy little things you say to yourself in your journal that no one else is supposed to read. You know, and um, and you go back over those and you, and you say, "That was nothing," you know. The thing you thought was so important—you have no idea how much bad things are going to come in the future. But God will still, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. But God will get you through those too. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. That's that's kind of pessimistic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but God's faithful. He'll 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 bring you through those. And yeah, I mean, I guess that's the experience you have as you get a little bit older. But um. so, anyways, it, it's just it's just encouragement that. You can think about what God has brought you through in the past, and and know that know that this is this is no different, and, and, and Christ experienced much worse for you. Um, so as as you think about that, think think of what Jesus is going to do next. You know, he's 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 he, our faith in Jesus is not just the faith that gets us through today, and and but it's also what God's going to do for us in the future. We have we have faith that the Holy Spirit is going to be just as active in the future of our lives as He is now. Um. And even if things don't, even if the rest of our lives are not just, you know, peaceful and roses, like, we still get to go to heaven, and we still get to experience joy and blessing with God in heaven. Um, for many people, that's the only hope that they do have, and their whole life just might be like, um, just, just, just misery one day after the other, and I think the hope of heaven is, is comforting for those people. Um, so it puts things in perspective the, the huge things that you're experiencing now puts them in perspective jesus hasn't hasn't he, um, jesus has already endured for you so he's able to sympathize with you um, so that's paul's double prayer request his double confidence, and he has a double blessing here May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of christ um i just I just love that phrase there um, um that's actually all I have, so let me, let me pray for us, and we'll go into our open time in a moment. Um, I'll pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, help us to believe this. Help us to believe this blessing, God, that you do love us, that Christ has endured for our sake. Um, just help us, God, just direct us into this knowledge of the love of God. Pray as we sing to you, as we worship in prayer, that we would, we would experience it more and more. Um, let's pray as we worship God that we worship you in spirit and truth and, um, and that these things will be real to us. I do pray, God, for opportunities for the gospel in our lives and um do pray for the persecuted church and other, other places in the world where, where evil men seem to be more prevalent. And um, Let's pray pray for peace, particularly in, uh, in Pakistan and all over the place, God. But we ask this in your name. Amen.